We're starting to see the beginnings of ambient healthcare computing when you look at some of the smart speaker devices going into the home for aging in place. Hello, everyone, and welcome to HIMSCast. My name is Mike Milliard. I'm executive editor of Healthcare IT News, a HIMS media publication. And I'm here today with Robin Farman-Farmian, who's a healthcare entrepreneur and author. She co-authored a book with Michael Farrow called How AI Can Democratize Healthcare. Welcome, Robin. Thanks for being here. I'm so excited. I love HIMS, so this is amazing. Why, thank you. I'm glad you uh, were able to join us. So, you know, we're going to talk specifically in a bit about how AI can, can impact telehealth, you know, virtual health, uh, remote patient monitoring and all that. But, uh, you know, why did you decide to write this book in general? And, and how do you see the big picture with AI in healthcare right now? Where are we and, and kind of where are we going? So if you think back to 2016, 2017, there were only about 70 uh, software programs that had cleared the FDA. Now you look at their database and it's at over 343, right? So this is a massive upswing in the number of AI programs that are clearing the FDA, which means they can be used now in the world of healthcare. And AI is really kind of, it's still at that early stages in healthcare. It's not as developed as it is in say other industries. But the really cool thing about it is that with remote patient monitoring, that's clinical grade and done at the point of the patient, all of a sudden we can have these huge clinical grade databases on people in their daily lives. And that those are the types of training databases that is going to change the game in AI and healthcare. You mentioned FDA, let's talk just a bit about them. You know, They have kind of seen the writing on the wall for the past few years and they certainly have taken a, a rigorous but perhaps slightly more enlightened approach to, to what AI can do for healthcare. How do you see you know, that evolution on the regulatory side? Uh, they just came out, I think, a couple of days ago, actually, with some updated language around AI and 510Ks and software as a medical device. And so they really are looking at this in a very um, open-minded way and moving quite quickly for a government agency like that. And then on the flip side with CMS, right, I always look to, to uh, Medicare to see kind of where healthcare is going. They are also reimbursing for a lot of these types of advancements, including codes called like the new technology add-on payment. And that's a pretty big deal to be able to give, a, I think it's $1,400 or $1,500 reimbursement for some of these new innovations. Yeah, the innovations are coming fast and furious. Um, but let's be honest, there's also a lot of hype out there. Um, if I am an IT decision maker at a hospital or health system looking for tools to, you know, help build my RPM program, or if I'm a consumer looking for, you know, a new app or, or device to kind of help me with this or that condition, you know, what are some tips you have to kind of sift through, you know, some of the hype and, and, and kind of find the, the right signal to noise ratio out there? So first of all, decide what you want, right? Are you looking for something that's cleared the FDA and that can be utilized or plugged into say an EMR? For instance, TitoCare, it's a telemedicine toolkit with a connected otoscope and stethoscope and temperature monitor, as well as a tongue depressor. And that does go right into Epic software now. Right. And so that's integrated into the healthcare team, uh, into the healthcare system, as well as it has three or four years now of U.S. based usage. 
And so there's tons and tons of customers. And so really finding those that are not exactly new, like they didn't come out right now, but they have three or four years of being used in the U.S. healthcare system. Those are the ones that are going to be safer for you. Yeah, so we have seen really a, a huge paradigm shift. You know, it's been happening for a couple of years, but especially since the pandemic of, of care moving outside of the hospital and into the home. Um, what are some of the you know most promising use cases you see in the near term? So I think the digital therapeutics world is incredibly interesting right now. And let me tell you why. So first of all, the FDA has cleared a number of digital therapeutics as software as a medical device. And Medicare, as of April, is now reimbursing for CBT, cognitive behavior therapy-based digital therapeutics. For instance, Pair Therapeutics has a number of apps to around addiction. And so those are now covered by Medicare. But we're also seeing other interesting things going on in digital therapeutics. For example, click therapeutics. So uh, Otsuka Pharma, as well as Bowringer in Germany, they have pledged $300 million and $500 million in milestone-based funding for click to develop an app that's a companion to one of their medications. Right. And it doesn't stop there. Anthem, now called Elevance Health, has launched four of their own digital therapeutics. They are available for free to their their patients. And they're around things like covid, Crohn's, oncology and diabetes. And so we're seeing a lot of different stakeholders really starting to up their game in the world of digital therapeutics. And it's great because it provides that daily access to a patient and being able to intervene with a patient at the right time and the right place when they need it the most. When you were researching the book, uh, were there any things that surprised you as, as you spoke to folks about, you know, where this is going and, and uh, you know, the, the promise out there of, of AI enabled care? So, oh my gosh, this one was one of my favorite examples because I hadn't even thought of it. So there's a new area of healthcare that's called vocal biomarkers, right? We've known about vocal biomarkers for a long time, but finally their time has come in the world of healthcare. And that means using a patient's voice as an actual vital sign. And so while I was researching that, I came across a company called Hyfe AI. And it just blew me away because it's so elegant and so simple but he still didn't think of it, right? And so all they are doing is counting the number of times someone coughs on a daily basis. Think about that for a second, right? If I've got a chronic cough and I go into my doctor and the doctor says, hey, Robin, how's that new medication? Are you coughing less? Be like, I think so. Well, how many times do you think you coughed yesterday? 37, 402, like we do not know that answer as patients, but being able to know exactly how many times we've coughed can be a game changer with medication efficacy or dosage uh, changes, as well as clinical trials and of course, disease trajectory. It's great for patients. It looks, you know, very exciting as, as what this means. What are you hearing from providers when you talk to them about this kind of stuff? You know, are they... Uh, enthusiastic about the potential of these um, apps and, and devices, or is it just more patient-generated data to add to their already, you know, you know, voluminous data that they have in the EHR? Um, are they excited about this, or do they are they skeptical? Some of them. So it totally depends. I mean, the healthcare providers run the gamut from people who are on the cutting edge to others who have no idea this is even going on. In fact, I gave a talk earlier this year on the East Coast where everyone who was in the audience worked in, in IT in healthcare for um, you know one of the main stakeholders. 
and most of them had not even heard of a continuous glucose monitor. And if they didn't even know what a CGM was, they, don't, they didn't know about all of the clinical grade devices and ways of collecting data that needs to be HIPAA compliant and needs to plug into their EMR systems. If they don't even know those exist, they can't start to bring them into their healthcare system. But it's safe to say you definitely feel that there's an increasing comfort level and we're going to see a lot more of the stuff, you know, being worked into hospital at home programs and, and RPM as, as we go forward. Absolutely. I mean, look at Mayo Clinic, right? They really um, set the stage with things like Medically Home. And so absolutely, there are some hospitals and providers that are really on that cutting edge and understand the value of being able to provide things like a hospital at home. Uh, what are some other areas that you're particularly excited about? Are there anything, you know, big parts of the book that I haven't uh, touched upon yet? I'm sure there are, of course, but the predictive analytics. This is really interesting. So things uh, speaking of a continuous glucose monitor, there's a company called January AI that takes three days of back data from a CGM, combines it with things like vital signs. And they are able to predict in real time how someone is going to have a glucose response to an individual food. Like that is mind blowing. You could have someone who picks up an apple and puts it into the app. Hey, I'm about ready to eat an apple. And it's going to tell you, you know what? This isn't a good idea for you based on the amount of exercise, fiber, protein, and many other factors that you've had in that day. Because your body can react differently to an apple depending on when and where you eat it. And so uh, it also provides that coaching a component too, where it can say, okay, if you do want that apple, then you should take, you know, go walk for X number of minutes or eat it with some protein and that will help mitigate the, you know, glucose response. Being able to do that and provide education and coaching in real time when the patient needs it the most, it's, it's incredibly exciting. So we've talked about the regulatory landscape a little bit. Uh, how do you see the reimbursement uh, side of this, you know, continuing to evolve? Uh, you know, some of these apps are prescription only, you know, some of them are, are not. But, uh, you know, as, as they're worked into health systems uh, care plans for their patients, uh, how do you see reimbursement continuing to, to change? Oh, it's so incredibly exciting. So CMS Medicare has been reimbursing for remote physiologic monitoring now for quite a few years. As of earlier this year, I think it was in January, they released new codes around remote therapeutic monitoring, specifically in physical therapy and uh, as well as uh, respiratory diseases. And so that's a really big deal to be able to reimburse physical therapists and other practitioners for doing remote care, right? And that is such an incredibly exciting area. What are some challenges or, or potential pitfalls you see as we look towards the next few years? Oh, of course, there's tons. I mean, with all of these clinical grade devices going into the home, every single one of them provides a backdoor to be able to get into some more uh, privacy data, right? Things that you do care about, things like your financial or your social security number. Because no criminal is out there looking for my you know, glucose response or cares about my heart rate. They care about being able to get into a database where they can actually make money from the information, right? And so that is an absolutely terrifying thing to think about because there are so many ways now to monitor patients in the home. Yes, I've written a lot about the cybersecurity implications of, of remote monitoring. It's, it's a, a whole new challenge for sure. Yes.
We've seen how fast AI is evolving. Uh, it really is, you know, it's still at the beginning stages in healthcare in a lot of ways, but it is moving fast. You know, when you look forward, you know, let's say, let's look forward five years. Um, what, what are your, your kind of wildest, uh, you know, hopes and dreams for, for where this might be going? Oh, I think it's going to take a little longer than five years. But my dream scenario is that 24 hour day, seven day a week, ambient health computing, meaning your environment, uh, subcutaneous sensors, sensors in your in your clothing, um, all recording different aspects of your life. 24 hours a day, seven days a week and analyzing it and then really just flagging you or your care team when there's an issue. Right. And we're starting to see the beginnings of ambient healthcare computing when you look at some of the smart speaker devices going into the home for aging in place. Right. Like the LEQ is a smart speaker that that pulls in things like remote patient monitoring as well as emotion monitoring. And it actually learns. So it knows when grandma passes it every day at 9 a.m. If grandma suddenly doesn't do that, the LEQ gets worried and sets out an alert. Right. And so seeing that, you know, come together with a lot more bells and whistles, that is going to be incredibly exciting. And do you think the appetite is there, you know, on a, on a wide basis for, for that kind of invasive home, you know, use of, of these technologies? We already have it. Like I've got my smartphone next to me 24 hours a day, seven days a week, which can obviously record. I've got my Amazon Alexa on 24 hours a day. So it actually is recording me. I've got a Google home in my living room. Like we're already doing it. So why not just give me that alert that there's something wrong? And, you know, for those hospitals and health systems who may still be in the early stages of this, do you have any kind of advice for to kind of, you know, position themselves well for this for this brave new world we could be entering? So follow the ringleaders, right? Check out what Mayo Clinic is doing. Check out what Cleveland Clinic is doing. UPMC. I mean, there are a number of hospitals that we know are on that cutting edge who are really pulling in as many innovations as possible. See how those guys are doing it and copy them. Easy enough. Any any big questions that I have not asked you or any, you know, things you want to highlight, whether from the book or just your research uh, before before you wrap up today? Sure. Uh, so it's beyond just the software components. We're also seeing things like IV medication, dialysis and urgent care going into the home. So it's not just the software companies. We are seeing hardcore you know, things like dialysis being done in the home now and uh, being pushed by companies like Humana and CMS, because, of course, they have large Medicare populations. So that's an incredibly exciting area as well. Absolutely. There's a lot of excitement. There's a lot of exciting areas to keep watch on. It's, it definitely bears watching as we go forward. So um, thank you, Robin, for joining us today. And, and uh, this has been a really you know, fascinating and, and interesting chat. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. And thanks, everyone, for listening to this episode of HIMSCast. We do encourage you to rate and review us. And if you like what you hear, subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Google Play. Thanks again, Robin. It's great to talk to you. Thank you. 